Hey everybody, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Bill. Have you ever asked yourself, what is your superpower? Everyone has a superpower. Most people just don't know what it is. We're going to help you uncover it. This podcast is all about helping people figure out what their truly unique superpower is. Superpowers, what's yours? Hello and welcome to another Superpowers podcast. We are excited. We have an incredible guest. Chris, give us a little background on who we got today. Bill, good to be back with you. We had a few week hiatus in uh, these uh, these uh, interesting and trying times, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about today. So we have we have Howard Lindzen, everyone. So Howard has can't wait to get into his story. He's Canadian. He's an author. He's a writer. Um, he has been involved in angel investing. He's a startup founder, heavily involved in uh, the fintech space, which we'll get into is fun. Um, he's been involved with a lot of exciting companies, including Social Leverage a company he started, StockTwits, which he sold and bought back, Robinhood, WAG, Golfer, um, friends with Fred Wilson, which is a, is a great friend to have, but all, all around, in, in, in my uh, humble opinion, a very well-liked, funny, charismatic individual, and we could not be happier to have him on the Superpowers podcast show. Welcome, Howard. Well, you forgot handsome. Well, I didn't actually forget it. If I felt it, I would have said it. I mean, Josh Felser would have made you say handsome. Josh Felser would have made me say handsome. I'm going to say I will go. I'm going to go pretty urban cool, though, with that kind of non-startup non founder hoodie and the trucker hat that you probably stole from your kid's closet. So that hat is, I was in Aspen, and it had, a, you know, I love popcorn. My logo kind of looks like this because my name's Howard, and it has an H, so I think it's some skiing brand. Um, so I just hey, bottled, Howard, I, I bottled, I bought a lot of hats that had this logo. You got your hats. Howard, I want to just ask you about that dude over your left shoulder or what's going on. It looks like a drunk elf. No, it's that a guy actually, playing golf. That, well, there's the that, box. That, 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 that's the same thing, Bill. That is Robin Hood. So when Robin Hood raised their A round, we had done a lot of work in their seed, as their seed investors. And they all signed... Uh, a photograph of, I don't know who's that, Friar Tuck or, or somebody else. And they sent me a nice uh, framed thing. And I'm never in this office. So hopefully the sound's okay. This is my San Diego home, Coronado home. And offices don't need anything except a laptop, you know? Yeah, what is, what is so office? So bizarre. Like, what is office? So this, like, has an, like, it's just a, it's the nicest office that's never, ever needed of all time. Well, that that's a good that's a good segue into your. Um, I know your 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 home base is Carnaro, San Diego. Uh -huh. um, talk, let's let's just start off, Howard. Where where have you been the last in the last kind of ninety days? Talk to us a little bit about where you've been geographically and your and your family and and uh, we're we're in some cases coming out of a, a crazy quarantine, depending on who you ask. But where where are you and how have you guys been? What's been sort of the crazy and the good uh, coming out of the big Q? The uh... Phoenix. So we're, we're taxes and college and whatever Phoenix, you know, I lived in Phoenix for about 30 years, uh, went to ASU and Thunderbird. Uh, we've been locked down in Phoenix, which was a good place originally for the lockdown. They, they say the curve is going bananas in Phoenix right now. Uh, so I guess heat doesn't kill the virus according to uh, Phoenix. So uh, we were hunkered down avoiding misinformation and um, doing the responsible, what we thought was the responsible thing is social distancing and just 
you know, risking divorce by being in the same house together after 24 years. So we think we, we did our part. Uh, you know, if you search, if you go into my search, there's a lot of searches for divorce attorneys, I think. I think if you went into everybody's search, it'd be like porn would come number two at this point in the crisis. Uh, how, how, many, how many people do you think are like, <laughs> wow, you know, I'm spending all this time with my wife. She's actually kind of cool. Nobody. <laughs> Literally nobody. Okay, that, that hopefully cut that out. Edit that out. Yeah, we'll edit that. I thought this was a show uh, I can't lie. The, well, well, yeah, go so ahead, Howard. I really think porn is now number two search thing over divorce attorneys. So, uh, and we invested in a legal startup during the crisis. So like our, our first check during COVID is to a legal startup. And divorce is part of their uh, thing. So, you know, we'll get a deal at least if this happens. The, um, so we were locked down. My, my daughter was at U of A. Um, my son has his own, he's working as a one bedroom. So he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily, I wouldn't say behaving, but he had like a weird, you know, Gen Z has their own thing going on, even if it's a group and that, you know, as long as he wasn't killing old people, we were cool with it. And, um, so we were in Phoenix. It was beautiful. Luckily, we have a small place. It's in the desert up on the hill, and it was safe. Uh, we, the heat, it gets to about 175 degrees Celsius in Phoenix in June, uh, July. And uh, that's global warming. It used to be only 160 degrees Celsius. The, um, and we go to Coronado. Jews in Phoenix, that's our Florida. Like, you know, just like New York goes to Florida, the Jewish people, yeah, yeah. go to Coronado. So it's like a, a weird migration pattern. And so that's where we spend our summers. We've, uh, the kids grew up here. We, they went to public school here on the island Coronado. It's a Navy base. Um, I'm not a Navy SEAL. I hopefully you guys, you know, I think it's hard to we differentiate were, we, between we actually, a venture capitalist freak and a Navy SEAL, but I'm not a Navy SEAL. So just We actually alert. wanted to get into your military training and military background on this. Yeah, and, I'll and, show and, you and, my pecs. I'll show you my pecs. Well, shirts off at some stage during the show. And, and Howard, shirts as off, you know. viewership down. That's our logo. That's our tagline. <laughs> Bill, um, Howard, as you know, you are, you have willingly agreed and signed off to join the Superpowers podcast on our show with my wonderful host, Bill. We cover everyone's unique superpowers and we, uh, it's Bill and I's responsibility to tell you what your superpowers at the end of the show as we get to know you and our guests get to know you a little bit better. So that's the journey we're on for the next uh, whatever minutes it takes to hear a little bit about your background and where you're from. And I think that's a good starting off point, Howard. Talk, yeah. talk to us a little bit about your, um, your, your, um, your, your childhood and where you grew up. I actually don't know that, but tell us, tell us about little Howard upbringing, your family, your siblings, anyone that still likes you or speaks to you. They're the reason I live in San Diego is because my family's in Toronto. The, uh, there you go. That pretty much saved you an hour. Uh, <laughs> Check. Next. <laughs> Hello. I mean, that was easy. Let's do another episode one day. <laughs> Next one. The, uh, <laughs> my superpower is running away. Uh, <laughs> my wife's superpower is staying. The, uh, <laughs> making, no, your wife's superpower is, is making sure you, you Her you therapist know, superpower is she doesn't run fast enough. The, uh, the, um, no, I mean, I grew up in Toronto, a normal, idiotic uh, Jewish kid. Uh, yeah, upper middle class, very anxious. Now, how, how many Jews are in Toronto? Is it big, big population? Uh, 
I would say maybe next to the Jewish population in Toronto is very conservative, it's a fantastic Jewish, large, as it's a very bigly Jewish population. We have, we're the most Jewish of the Jews. We love our Jews. Uh, it's bigly, it's gonna be wonderful. Uh, we have, uh, I would say maybe either than LA and New York, maybe tied with Chicago, like the largest Jewish population wow. in the world. Wow. Um, and maybe a hundred thousand or so. So it's uh, it's, it's still one degree of separation. You know, Moshe, still one degree of separation. He owes me money, uh, and so it's like one degree. Grew up, I think, in a very anxious environment, which created this beast. So it's kind of like Larry David meets venture capital. That's kind what, of what, what, what was the anxious environment that, 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 what caused the anxiety? What, did you live with other people? A very large nose and a bad hairline. I think mm. that would cause anxiety. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. And a mole. Uh, Howard, what I would mean, you like? I mean, that's a cocktail for anxiety. Oh, and then throw in my mom who's nuts. <laughs> like, like, like us all. Go ahead, yeah. Bill. I, I'm, 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 I'm picturing his parents like uh, in a Seinfeld episode or something like. Nah. Listen, I wish my parents were like Costanza's parents. That would be normal. Yeah, that would be normal. <laughs> Mine were his parents, but like a little bit meaner and much wealthier and a lot more guilt. But so, so I love my childhood. My therapist says that she thinks it was a terrible childhood. I thought it was normal. By the way, I, I actually think on this show? I, I think we should dial his therapist and his wife's therapist right in. Right, can't afford it. Can't afford it. Go patch him in. Can't afford it. So, Howard, what were you like as a child, and do you have brothers and sisters? Two sisters are great. Um, smart enough not to talk to me for the last twenty-five years. No, I'm kidding. So uh, they they're they're great. I had uh, no dogs. Dogs are cooties, so I had a very normal childhood. Dogs carry disease. Uh, who knew it would be COVID? Yeah. Uh, so I didn't get a dog. Now we have dogs. Uh, anything that we couldn't do as a kid in Toronto, I do now. Um, and where, and are, where do you fall in the order of your two sisters? Oh, I'm in the middle. Chris, I know. how many I middle know. children have we had on? Oh, is there something there? Is there something there? I have a philosophy that middle children are always trying to prove something. Because yeah. like, you know, you're, you're not the baby, you know, the number one always gets all the attention. The middle child always has to fight for everything. And a lot no, of successful I was, people I was, are middle uh, children. I think I was the favorite one by my mom. But yep. I think we, I think there was that, like, you know, that disease where they make up diseases about their kid to keep them trapped up. Yep. You had that. Not the one where they kill you, the other version of it. But I think I, I think that I was a victim of that, but I can't and, prove and it. Where do your sisters live? Got her on the live? podcast. We could confront her. Where Where do your sisters live, and what do they do? Uh, my sister Toronto's my sister Fern in Toronto is a uh, successful party planner. Although post COVID, it's it's like I don't think there's a job. Not as successful. Yeah, uh, and then my other sister uh, is in Florida, and she's just raised three great kids. They all raised three great kids. And, We've raised a couple great kids. So she made it to Del Boca Vista. She's Del Boca Vista. And you never call. And they have a lot of mothballs and a lot of hurricanes. No, she's doing good. Her son went to school, school in school in Florida. And the two, her two daughters are in Toronto, very successful. So it's like, a, you know, it's a really close family other than uh, uh, we don't talk. 
It's who knows what's normal. It's a normal in the sense that we haven't killed one another. There's no Cain and Abel story yet. Right. And, and, and Howard, what last question on, on the child. What did, what did your parents do? So my dad was a securities attorney, but more of like a stock guy, like a promoter. Uh, and back in the day, uh, Vancouver and Toronto was like, little, little shade of Reno. And, uh, but a, a really smart, successful securities attorney. And then my mom was a housewife. Yep. So you, yeah, you, you, you would have observed a lot of, uh, a lot of the grind and hard work of, uh, of raising uh, three kids, two of them semi-normal, and, and then you. So I imagine there's, uh, there's I was raised good... by a Jamaican and Filipino people, and, right. which may explain some of this stuff. And uh, also in a world where it, they would cut the crust off my bread because I didn't like crust. So it's a little bit like Richie Rich meets Psycho meets uh, Jughead. How, how what like was your what was your childhood thing? Were you a peanut butter and jelly with the cut crust Ooh. cut off, or were you like a were you a mac and cheese guy, Total or like hot dog with nothing? I bet I bet you never had any condiments on any of your food as a kid. All right. I it was so that's such a great question by the way because I was just talking to my one of my best buddies in Toronto. I have such great you know friends in Toronto. You know I, I think. If you're going to say my superpower is, uh, if you're going to say, I just am so lucky at uh, the friends that I have, uh, whether I create them or whatever. So I can still talk to my five-year-old friends in Toronto and we just know so much about each other. You don't have to see each other. So I get these random calls. Now that we're 54 and our kids are out of the house, we get to like hang out again, like we all these like, like communication kids. products. Yeah. And it's just like, fuck it's just no no one cares what you do for a living no one gives a shit about like how many fucking divorces you've had and no one gives a shit about your hairline well we give a shit about hairlines because we compare the, the good the good friends don't judge you what, what about uh, yeah so so i was saying that like with condiments i was a no condiment person no lettuce or tomatoes or onions yeah. or pickles Ugh. mayonnaise yeah. i like a little bit of mustard a little bit of ketchup and then i had friends Anxiety. that would go to mcdonald's and actually bring their own ketchup and mustard. So there was that psychoticness Jewish thing going always at one end or the other. But uh, I've been blessed with like the best friends and whether I created that or just the environment was conducive to that. Well, they probably felt, they probably felt sorry for you. So probably a lot of the friends that you've met just feel this empathy. And New that, ones like, they do. The old ones don't know. The old ones don't know. <laughs> That's all. Now they just what want was a piece the... of the Howie. Howie, what was uh, Bill? Let's let's shift into Howie for the rest of the show, if you don't mind. Howie, <laughs> yeah. what was um, from a Canadian being born in? Do you talk about being born in Canada and what are your advantages? Like, I mean, I've I've never really heard you mention that. Like, is yeah, Canadian, no advantages. Canadian. If I say mom or out, someone goes, "Hey, Canada." Um, but I don't think there is any advantages to being from Canada. I love America. Uh, I think America uh, is doing a bad job of being proud of America. It's all fake fake proud, whereas Canadians are unproud. It's a really weird dichotomy, right? Like we could take over Canada. Like America should just slip in there with a couple of donuts and some Ambien and it's like two like weeks. We're here. Two weeks skirmish <laughs> in Buffalo and it's ours. And uh, so it's like we have a whole fake Canadian relationship. It's one country. Uh, it's just America's very busy and hasn't dealt with Canada yet. And uh, so I moved. I'm like, fuck, I want to be on the winning team. How? idiotic is Canada like what are we waiting for uh, were you, so I don't even you, think Canada should be a country at this point it's just a, it's better than 
it's better than Ohio. I would just say it's like a 58 state or how many states, ask Trump how many states there are, add one for Canada and name it Ontario. And let's just sell off, you know, Alabama and Ohio. And we'll keep Florida because it theoretically, it may come in handy one First day. of all, he wouldn't be able to answer that question, but move it on. Oh, what was the question? No, he wouldn't be able to answer the question. Yeah, he's talking about Trump. Trump. Trump was talking about buying like Iceland or something at some point. So, That's the thing. It's like Canada's right there. Yeah, why, There's no argument. And he's got to go to Iceland. Like, if this you're gonna, is why if I don't like the guy. A, if you're going to buy a 51st state, exactly. it should be Canada over Because Iceland. he wants to start an airline to fly over the ocean that will fail. So not only do we have right. to fly far, he wants to have the airline instead of just driving a truck over the border from Buffalo. He's just an idiot. So... Were, were you into hockey as a Canadian? I feel like that, like every Canadian loves hockey. Yeah, I wasn't a good skater, but I loved hockey. I, I, you know, if I could skate, that's what I'd be doing. But I'm Jewish. You can't skate. You, 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 your mom, my you. mom would be in a fur coat yelling at somebody that hit me when I was eight years old. Like that's anxiety <laughs> right there. It's like, I thought it was a bear. It's my mom. Because, you know, <laughs> before the internet, everybody was a furrier or ran a deli in Canada. Or drove a bus. That was it. Hey, dad's a climber. He's driving a bus. He's got the good line up Bathurst Street. The, uh, By the way, hey, Bill, are we on his show or, or is he on yeah. ours? I'm still yeah, trying I to figure this out. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, we're Howard, friends, what? aren't we? Are we capable of I feel like I feel like this is. I actually do feel like I'm on like an episode of Seinfeld. I I feel like we're gonna talk for two hours about nothing. About nothing. That's venture capital. (laughs) (laughs) Now you have my superpower. Let's do a deal. (laughs) Howard, what did you do? Founder. Howard, what did what did you do? Did you do anything interesting as a kid? Side hustle? Uh, Did you use any of those? Your your. What did you do? I did, you. I, I, I bet there's people looking for you still. Like, I feel like you owe people money. They're looking for my Canada. dad. That's what's so funny. I think no one's looking <laughs> for me because they're busy looking for my dad. The, uh, <laughs> and I say that half jokingly. He had uh, a bit of a dark past. The uh, No murders that we know of. The, I mean, um, that, uh, well, there was no CSI. There was no DNA testing back then. So he's, he's one step ahead of everybody. So... The um, the biggest thing that I ever did was I was like, you know, I had it, like I said, I was very spoiled in a way uh, financially. So TV, metallic. Wait, wait, and it's just for viewer, viewers in other parts of the country that don't know what that means. So you were, you grew up rich. Your, your, your family's super You don't know wealthy. that when you're a kid, right? You don't know what your parents do. You just are born into, you know, you're born in Toronto at my decade, no wars. Jewish, you know, upper middle class. Um, you just are, you don't have any choice. That's just luck. And we're right. or, or not luck, but I feel lucky and uh, grateful. So, so the anxiety is not something you control. You just, you just flee from it or you just, sorry, my dog, or you just, you survive, right? That was my basic instinct that I, I guess I had. Um, and you try and keep your sanity. But my thing was comedy, right? Like I just, Toronto was, when I was growing up, it was Mike Myers, Jim Carrey, 14 years old, sneaking yeah. into comedy clubs. Toronto was the place. Second City, uh, you had Second City Television with John Candy and Eugene Levy. This is the funniest people of all time. All time, yeah. right? Did we lose Howard? 
This is weird. Did we lose Howard? Did I lose you, Chris? Uh, wait, let me see if I can trick you. Um, we, he, he I mean, went. I did, did I not, did I not warn you about this one, Bill? But, but by the way, I, there's part of me that thinks that he's not, it's not an inner connection right here. He's just doing it, but potentially. I, so this is an opportunity for us to talk openly. I think he's a complete dick and <laughs> I, I wanted him on the show for his Twitter follower base to help kind of rise our, the profile of superpowers. Howard's never anyone that I liked or respected. I want to make that clear, Bill. And, and well, now, I know we'll now probably we, edit this well, now, part he, now he, you know, he was pausing, and now he hung up on you. <laughs> oh, All right, let's give, let's give it a little time for him to call back. That was funny. Um, you okay? Did the dogs get you? I mean, Bill, 15 minutes in, and the guy's already made 20 jokes at, like, at a comedy club would have worked. Um, Hello, sorry guys. It's okay. So, 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 so Howard, it, it was really funny because you were talking and all of a sudden you froze. And, and I, I, you know, I was like, did he actually freeze or is he fucking with us? And then Chris started disparaging. <laughs> I'm not good you. enough at technology. I'm not good enough technology to fuck. And then Chris started disparaging you. I don't know how to use anything, which is a fucking plus in this industry. See, by the way, this is this is where you realize like how someone's assistant who does everything for them, like you know, like I I like my tea a certain way, and like I just can't do it the same way. That my, that my assistant. I don't have, I, no one would work with me. I have no assistance. I have no tricks. I don't know how to use the internet. Something just happened and everything went dark. I think, I thought we were nuked on my end. I thought the Koreans came for us. Like I am <laughs> living in a place where North Korea, we go first or last with muskies on the bridge, right? Like we're lit up. We're Navy SEALs. We killed fucking Bin Laden in this place. So we're first on the line. We're, you know, that could have been it. You might've seen been. the last. When we went flat there, that might have been a nuclear war. So I don't don't know why, but like I I kind of have a feeling, like I have this visualization of your mom, um, and I could be totally off. But we may have to edit this this part out. Carry on. No, I'm I'm visualizing like, you know, an overprotective Jewish Canadian mom Mm -hmm. in like a beautiful long fur coat. Basically, you know, with a fufu to... with a, like a smock underneath. She never prepared anything underneath that. Though. So she yeah, got everything right the... except there was nothing underneath. <laughs> Stuff like just a... the fur coat. And then because she, <laughs> because she's got two daughters, like Howard was her precious, you know, like child, right? I do no wrong. I could get away and, with fucking. And I could just mass imagine murder. her just like on the side, like just being like, Howie, no, don't do that. You're gonna get hurt. You're gonna like, get hurt, Howie. There were two was, choices. Is, I could have been two things, Dahmer or a venture capitalist. <laughs> so, so Howard, where you were before I chose you... venture capitalist. I would think it was a good choice out of the two. So, so Howard, before you cut out... I have out no your... freezers. If you go into my, in my garage, I don't have one freezer. Yeah. Okay. Well, I because the authorities, are, the authorities are, are, are... I ran. I, when I saw Dahmer, I'm going, wow, I did pretty good. Like I told so my Howard, therapist when I saw the Dahmer stuff, I go, this could have been me. By the way, Jeffrey Dahmer... Um, it's funny you mentioned of all the serial killers, you have to men- mention Jeff- Jeffrey Dahmer. He, uh, sure, I, grew, I don't know them all. I, I grew up, I grew up 19 blocks from him. Hmm. 
So yeah. Howard, Bill collects. Um, that'll be on like my. Some, that'll be on my podcast. So so Howard, some people collect, podcast uh, is this? Who are you even, by the way? Yeah. Howard, some people collect uh, baseball cards, and Bill Bill has sort of this whole running list of all the the serial killers. He's uh, <laughs> well, that show on Netflix was fantastic. That it show, is, but, yeah, it's great. great so, so 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 Howard, you were basically admitting that you never worked uh, while you were in Canada. No, sorry, so I looked like an animal. I I just okay. had the bug to be an entrepreneur, and there's no internet, so I was like car washing, window washing. Uh, whatever Talk to us about do. your entrepreneur stories. What did you build and, and, and all that? Well, there was nothing to build, right? I was a kid, but I had like, uh, I would, when my parents would go to New Mexico, I would buy like turquoise stuff and sell it to my dad's friends, you know, like rings and jewelry, because we were the only Jews going to New Mexico. Like I thought I'd discovered turquoise jewelry. You know, what better than selling Indian jewelry to rich Jewish people on the hustle? That was a side hustle when I was eight, marking shit up a thousand percent. Yeah, what were the uh, margins? What were the margins on that? Buy it for fifty, sell for two hundred. No one had better candy than Howard as a kid. I was fucking urban candy like crazy, and uh, I mean that's why I have all fake teeth. I have like one hanging tooth by the time I was thirty. No one was monitoring my sugar intake. What was yeah. your What were your candies of choice? Sticky ones. You were a Starburst guy. I'm a red guy. Like, I still don't know. Like as much as I complain about Twitter, why hasn't Sweet Tarts come out with an all red package? I mean, little, little simple stuff bugs me. Like I'd be short yeah. Sweet Tarts at this point. Now they came out with Shock Tarts, which is like makes my face go bananas. So I think Shock Tarts are an incredible, you know, premium product. But it took a long time for sour Sweet Tarts to come out, and I still don't want green and yellow ones. That's just like fucking me. There's a half the package is shit. So there's still a lot of stuff to fix in the candy business, let alone Facebook. It's kind of like being a venture capitalist, like 300 hitter makes you, the whole you thing. Give me, you put me in charge of Sweet Tarts, I double the size of that company. You'd One kill call. It. One call. No office. I don't even need an office. I need a Zoom and the head of Sweet Tarts fix that company. So, so, so Howard, did you... Did you <laughs> no did focus you, groups. I'm the focus group. Give me red and purple Sweet Tarts. And the blue. I'll keep the blue. Three. Fucking yellow and green is ridiculous. Do you have the same? Do you have the same uh, feelings in, with other other candy colors? Thank you. Um, oh, you got you got served something. That's so nice. Yeah. Do you want to bring whoever that papers. is? I just got papers. Is your <laughs> Those are divorce what papers? <laughs> She's been listening to the podcast. I just got served. Oh, and it's by, at least first it's by the company we invested in. First yeah, of all, would your yeah. first at least of all, you got some business out of it. the family. Yeah, it's a good. We'll have a good month. Well, somebody will have first, a good month. <laughs> Howard, would your wife like to say hi? And two, um, I'd no. love to know what your what, what your what your what your reading looks like today. Oh, my reading? I don't read. Reading no, your papers. Losers. Oh, what? Sorry. What papers? I thought you were just delivered your newspapers. <laughs> no, that was uh, that was my <laughs> wife saying to quiet down. Okay. Um, no, I'm kidding. She just dropped something for me. It was a sandwich what? without crust on it. At 12 p.m., exactly the way I like it. Wow. <laughs> She's four minutes late. Should hear about that later. She is four <laughs> minutes late. Oh, God. Oh, man. <laughs> Just got out of line. All right. So I was an entrepreneur as a kid, a lot of side hustles. Uh, and I didn't, you know, there was no entrepreneurship back then. You were, you were Jewish, you were a lawyer, doctor, uh, furrier, or an accountant. And I uh, hated animals. Um, and I did go to law school for about an hour in Arizona. Ended you up, did? It, yeah. Hey, when, when did you drop? Did you drop out like right away? Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I switched to the MBA immediately. Law was going to be a lot of work is what I saw. There's a lot of yeah. textbooks. And, Absolutely. 
Yeah, and it was 150 degrees before global warming. It was 160 by the end of college. Now it's 175. We know this, but it was 150 back in the days. And it was a good 150. There was no pools or golf courses. Phoenix was a different place. But uh, I went to ASU, uh, did my MBA, and just wanted to live in Arizona. Loved the sound, loved the desert. By the way, it, any profession that gets paid by the hour, like just the, the, just the simple math is you just got to work a lot of fucking hours to make a lot of money. I don't get it. It was a trap. Uh, I somehow escaped the trap. Uh, I don't know any happy lawyers. Um, I think if my kids wanted to be lawyers, I did a bad job as a parent. I joke about it, but it's true. Uh, when you have all these you choices. Them away. What's that? You guided them away. If I guided them, I just think they saw the happy-go-lucky career, and whether they think that whether that's dangerous because it's a fantasy, right? You got to work hard. But yep. uh, I think an hourly job is what robots really are coming for, uh, and people mm -hmm. should be focused on, like I said, social leverage and building their networks and traveling and um, experiencing things and living lean. And uh, you know, they, they were on that way until COVID. So, like, we'll see what happens. But uh, I got lucky. I got 30 years of travel at, you know, $4 to fly last minute for dinner somewhere. And that just somehow ended. Uh, that's how things took it for granted. And, and this is our punishment. Um, but yeah, my kids are kind of entrepreneurial. It's great. Uh, yeah. And my wife, yeah, is, she's, she's back working in real estate. She was a bankruptcy attorney and she's, you know, the kids are out of the house. She's back working. So she's, so, you, so your wife's a lawyer. She was a practicing lawyer. She's a reform lawyer. Uh, but again, that was the thing, you know, a lot of Jewish kids, that's what they saw their parents doing. Let's say you climb out of post-World War, you know, the first, the first immigrants struggle, second ones don't want to struggle. They get a professional job and now we haven't had war by the fourth generation. We just want to live. Where, where did you meet your wife? Uh, just ordered her from a Russian, uh, thing just before that was cool. The, uh, what are the odds? We met on a blind date, which was before Tinder. That's what people did. And um, that, that's it. Nothing fancy. What, what did the person that set you up with the blind date, were they, they probably felt that you were, um, that you needed this, right? That you needed somebody to kind of, they you needed guardrails. Like, I think they obviously didn't Especially like her. Especially after ASU. Right. They, they wanted like her, to, obviously. They wanted to punish her. <laughs> they, uh, no, I mean, that's what you do, right? Like, I don't know, people, do, I don't even think I asked. It's just people say, oh, I know somebody for you, you know? And uh, that's how we met. Nothing fancy there. Howard, what, uh, the AS, your ASU experience, uh, obviously known as uh, one of the best party schools. Um, I mean, how, did, you did you get through? And um, do you have any tattoos as a result or any scars from your time Tattoos? There? I was, listen, the Jewish part was I did live with some, like, it's so funny because I grew up conservative, but not like, now everything's reformed, which I'm fine with too, is you, I knew conservatism, right? It's like, don't get a tattoo, marry a Jewish person, uh, you know, uh, don't kick a can if you're in Israel, could be a bomb, things like that, you know, the safety things. Yeah. And uh, the, um, so, so those were the, those were kind of my guiding principles. And uh, so you just were trying to please your parents and carry on the thing. You know, as you get older, you just like I question religion and all those things that happen in a in a world that uh, has infinite information. Um, but at the same time, I you know, good conservative. I like 
the conservative side of things. You know, it wasn't broken. It's just the internet just expanded everybody's ability to check shit out. Yeah. And, and so, Howard, what was your first job out of ASU? It's a good question. So I, ha I was an American, so it's like very stressful. Like, you know, the Iraq war broke out. We, yeah, I was in Thunderbird. We, you know, the Kuwait situation. Thunderbird is like a great international school in, in Phoenix. That, uh, it's like a little school that was known for like international management. And it was like 150 country students in the middle of the desert. And um, the war broke out. And uh, it'd be just, it was just a weird time to be. And then the massive recession in 1990s. So it was like nothing going on, right? It was yep. like a war and a recession and like the finance SNL crisis. And I'm in the middle of the SNL crisis in Phoenix, right? It was a lot of criminal activity and mortgage problems. And I'm like 26. I'm like, don't, I don't know anything about it. And I just, open up the newspaper and you just start circling jobs, you know, it's overqualified. And I needed someone to like sponsor me because yep. I'm not uh, American. So I took whatever job I could that became a stockbroker. And I knew nothing about the stock market, but it was like anything to get in the, and they sponsored me a small uh, Dallas firm sponsored me. And I just started making cold calls, right. With two graduate degrees. It wasn't like a good job. It was just like, okay, they thought I would be smart with all those degrees and they were just going to sponsor me. Yep. They handed me a phone and, uh, I, I feel like everyone the, should, 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 uh, have that experience of cold calls. Cold calling is, your and, whole life is cold calling. And, yeah. and getting rejection and moving on to the next one and hearing you learn so much through that. And if you can accept no's and punishment, you can kind of take, you can get pretty tough. I think. As yeah, I sold encyclopedias and I, my dad made me sell encyclopedias Britannica in high school. So, you know, I learned rejection. I was like, your, your one job is to get into someone's house. You know, you were begging for the Glengarry leads, right? It would be like some handicapped person scribbling on a note and say, I'll call this person. And I'm like, no, that person's not a lead. But like, uh, so I knew a lot about that, you know, well, fighting for good leads and like understanding that was your job. Like that was the only way to succeed. I didn't have a rich family to call on. I was living in Phoenix without a green card. Did you, did you like it? Did you like being a stockbroker? And did you no make one money? likes call calling? If you say you like cold calling, you're probably not a normal human being. So as abnormal as I am, I'm normal enough to know that's not a life. Now it's great lessons. Stuff yeah. like, yeah, if you're cold calling when you're 50, life sucks. Uh, yeah. So it's good to know what you don't want. I didn't want to be Dahmer and I didn't want to do cold calling. So I'm like two pretty good choices. All right, wait, by the way, the, the list is building up. Well, there's always be, a list. Didn't want to be list. Doesn't want to yeah, be. Yeah, I have a list. I carry it around. And this yeah. the, the last thing on the list is don't go back on that super forecaster show, whatever you call this, like superpower show. <laughs> <laughs> Episode like two, to... just turn it down. The, uh, <laughs> the, um, so it's just so many great lessons. When you cold call, it's just like you don't know what's going to be on the other side. Right? It's like spinning a wheel. Right. So yeah. the more you spin it, the more shit can happen. How so, important is learning um, rejection, uh, Howard, through that as it relates to your and, and we're getting and going down rabbit holes. That's the Internet before. It's like someone takes your call. But they could be a psycho that invites you into the house and cuts you up like Dahmer. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so there was rabbit holes. There was wasted time. There was learning to size people up. And you just learn like that was just the meat. There was no mentoring. There was a phone. So how but, long but, did you stay at this job? Well, I mean, another great question. So 
no normal people would stay at that job. Now, I should have stayed at that job. And I should have, um, you'd be, I'd be rich if I was a stockbroker 30 years later, right? I would have yeah. screwed all my clients and I'd be rich. So uh, I chose a different way to screw everybody. The, uh, the, um, and so one of my cold calls just was one of the, is just a kid, you know, you're dialing rich people. So, yep. I mean, that's the goal. You're not dying to people in poverty. Hey, homeless guy, you ready to do stocks? No, it was like you're trying to size up who rich people were. So I was reading the paper, Phoenix local thing, and I saw this guy, and they were talking about how successful his business was, Mark Scatterday, and I just cold called him. This guy hustled me like he was broke, but, you know, his front page of the paper holding his product called The Grip. It was a stress ball. And went down to pitch him to invest and ended up having to invest in his company. So I borrowed money from my parents. I just walked into this company and I was like, this is the greatest fucking product of all time. And I quit my job like the next day, wrote him a check. And we went on to build probably the fastest, one of the greatest startups for its era. And add specialty business, very high margin business. We put corporate logos on stress balls and we built this big ad specialty company. And so, you know, it was just kind of a miracle happenstance of a cold call that turned into a, a great experience. And, and then I learned the real lessons, like Rodney Dangerfield business lessons. Like we did everything wrong. Like wrong. everything. Yeah. I would yeah. come out with a textbook. Okay, here's the fire log, sir. Here's how we got to run the business. And he was just like, nah. And we would just do everything wrong. And, but we had margin. So the lesson of that first company was like, you make a lot of mistakes if you have high margin. Yeah. And... Uh, and it's hard to find businesses with high margins. Uh, so, you know. so what, ha what happened to the corporate stress ball business? And what was it called? It's still, it was called the Grip, G-R-I-P-P. -P, yep. And it became like, we got it on QVC. It's still in the Hall of Fame of QVC. You know, we put three in a package, soft, medium, and firm. And old ladies like squeezing balls. That was kind of the thing, you know. It was like carpal tunnel. It was like a, QVC was like the internet QBC yep. was the warm up to the internet, right? That was sure. when the internet was just phone banks of people dialing and buying shit. It was Shopify you, and Amazon think, on in Philadelphia. How do you think that you would go? Get over it. Shark like, that was what led to the internet. Howard, how do you think that would go on Shark Tank today? Pitch in, um, pitch in, pitch in that idea. Would today. have been, would have been a home run. Everybody, it was just a magical product at a magical time, with magical margins, a fucking monkey could have read it and i was that monkey but but here's what here's what's so missing did you sell you, the business or you just made a lot of money well i didn't like, own the business right so i yeah. we all skimmed and crushed it you know out of cash flow but my partner was spending it faster than he could make it we were buying cars we made he's hilarious this guy i mean yeah. he was a, a college dropout mark and he just they didn't have money and we were just we were like drug dealers you know we'd be smoking cigars in, in the warehouse we had like all these like I wouldn't say illegals, but they were illegal. Uh, uh, people with small, you had to have small hands to make the squeeze ball, right? It was four tension wrap uh, latex. We were the largest Siberian millet order, like customer in the world. Would you so, interview people based on size of hand? I mean, was yeah, that we'd like go to this little church that oh was my like, God. It, was a, it was, uh, I would say South Korean women. Are these too big? No, you, those are, no, Trump size hands. We needed Trump size hands, but on, <laughs> women's bodies so that, that his hands come a lot on women's bodies and so so we would take a picture of you know trump and just you know and say do you have hands like this and <laughs> so we were making millions of these things I and mean, the greatest thing about this because it's like free software right like act 
software, which was our contact management, it was like the greatest thing that, uh, you know, it was Palm Pilot days. So it was like our business was run on Act Content Management, which is a, probably the yep. first billion dollar software company, right? Because that's how it was our yep. CRM. Uh, Salesforce before Salesforce. So, so, you know, you're, back then it was paper until act. So, so we just had the right place, right time, pre-internet. It was the kind of product that corporations wanted their logo on. And it was just like a magical product. Sold at retail, sold at wholesale, sold at ad specialty. And everybody in the margins were crazy. And, and we would get paid before we shipped the product. So we were like buying Ferraris at lunch and just doing stupid stuff. Right. Practical Every, jokes and everything the founder shouldn't do. He was like part 23 that... years old. He was like 23 years old. And we were doing Here's... like four or five million a month and like 90% margins. Do you know, so, you know, when they have, um, you, this one reminds me, Howard, you know, like when you're a kid, the, the, the prison guys come to school, I think it's called scared straight. Mm -hmm. And like, they basically scare young teens of like not stealing shit. You mm -hmm. should go on a road. This your future is to visit schools across the country, and literally tell your your fucked up founder stories. And you will literally, I think the 90, 85, 90 percent failure rate in startup those numbers will decline if you visit more people. Have you thought about I that? Do. I do. Well, again, startups would do much better if they really understood cap table and choosing their partners and slowing down and speeding up. It's a race. It's not, sorry, it's not a It's part race, part marathon, right? Like, just like life, part race, part marathon, right? And, you know, I'm just blessed that I have this context. I can see, can be having a bad day and see a handicapped person or, and just feel bad. Like, and just go, fuck it. Like, you know, it's, my day's better. You can't yeah. tell people to feel like that. That's one of my superpowers. Like, I have context for how Oh no no, Howard, saying, Howard, I'm very Howard, low no, empathy. You, you Howard never, Howard, Howard never do that again, uh, ever do that again. This show will never air if you say this is my superpower because that's <laughs> don't don't ever do that. Listen, again, okay? we only have one rule at the Superpowers podcast, uh, which is don't talk about your superpower. Oh, I hey Howard, I, got, you, Howard, I, I got never have said that word until you named the show. Howard, word, I, so don't worry. Howard, I got one thing that that's kind of burning. I need the. Now, where, where... So I was just saying, like, I'm just lucky that I'm wired to, like, have yeah. context for those things. Not everybody does. Like, I just... Howard, where, where's the part of your journey of you trying stand-up comedy and being a comedian in that part of your career? There, so, there, there had to have been a trial yeah. run at this. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying I was inspired by it. And then when I was 16, you know, my friends thought I was funny. Your mom thinks you're funny. You're doing all this stuff. I'm watching... Johnny Carson, like I had I just, that was my life. Couldn't, you know, my parents let me stay up late to watch Johnny Carson, you know, and I would, I would put my, uh, I would polish my shoes and put my knickers in the corner and uh, get my pipe and have a scotch and watch Johnny Carson and these drunks fucking just have hilarious time on TV smoking sick. I just, that was my At the age of 16? Was your first 14, scotch? 16? 12. I was watching Johnny Carson thinking I should be smoking a pipe and wearing a cape and like in a cane and like Dean Martin was hammered and Ruth Buzzy was crazy and, and Carol Burnett was hysterical and dude that was just I had the I had the fucking bug of just laughing and it was my it was the way that I got along with people too right so obviously being funny got me things so that was just you do right. that was my little trick is like all right get out of the situation by by saying making fun of myself whatever it took to get out of a situation yeah. And you quickly learn that, um, which is why certain people bug me, is including the president right now, is like 
all you have to do is be willing to laugh at yourself and you're going to be able to get 10 times further ahead. And yeah. how simple a trick is that? Make fun of your own nose. I mean, no one's going to hate you for that, right? But you're going to disarm <laughs> a lot of people, right? Yeah. And so I'm just lucky that that was my trick. And plus I had a big nose. And, I, you know, but you, it just Howard, made my life easier. Howard, for our guest, can you, for, yep. Yeah, that's a good snog. That's yeah. good. And, and, and my head was much smaller then. <laughs> the, uh, he, and it hit well, but it hit well under my, I had a good mop of hair. So, so I finally got the courage to go up on stage and I fucking killed it. Like my first time, biggest problem, it's like having a stock trade go your way. So I just crushed it. And, uh, that just got me hooked in that weird lifestyle of going every night to do open mics in Toronto. And it was just, and just started working my way up. It's not a good thing, you know, back yeah. then. And cause it's just a really weird people, including myself and weird culture and everybody's stealing jokes. And it's just a, you know, unprofessional setting for a 15 year old and a 14 year old. Uh, and these people like Jim Carrey, you would just, you can't be funny when you're 14. These guys were funny. Not just me, work. but like they could do any impersonation. For Mike Myers could do a hundred things. And so I was watching legends. You just knew it. You don't, you don't, you don't follow their career, but they're like, oh yeah, that was obvious. Once Jim Carrey was like Ace Ventura and all those things, you know? So they were yeah. famous already in Toronto. As was, you know, we grew up, Eugene let me I didn't, re I didn't realize, I didn't realize uh, Jim Carrey was- uh, Yeah, um, of course he was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, so those were my idols. So of course I went down comedy and then I just started bombing and you know, that wasn't the life that I wanted, but I was always good at writing for other comics, but there's no money in that when you're 15 and you were just say, Hey, try this out. And I was great at fixing things. And so that's why I think writing is my gift or not my gift. The thing I love doing the most, and so even though I hated school and reading and doing essays, you know, now I have my blog and, that's my passion is just writing and sharing. Howard, so, let, so let, now, let, go ahead. Bill. So now you're, you're, uh, you do the stress ball thing. You, you know, you see that you, you learn, you know, the, the beauty of having, you know, high margins, um, good, good margins basically hide everything, um, everything wrong with the operations. Yes. And, um, and so what's next? What's next is just a shit pile of mistakes from that, you know, um, which makes me say, like, school's stupid. Like, no matter how much schooling you have, you might as get your ass kicked out there on the streets. Um, but, you know, what led to is we had so much money for that time. We were just managing our money. So, you know, I got into the stock market, uh, again, not, not from the brokerage side. I just, I knew what how to treat brokers because that's how people treated me. So I just hired a bunch of brokers. And so we were just trading at lunch. And the 90s were like a boom, semiconductors yeah. and everything it's like today like with digital stocks everything went up so you know you start thinking you're smart i had no experience managing money but i just thought that's what jewish people did if they weren't a lawyer or an accountant and uh so i started a hedge fund in 08 and with his money and my money and friends that thought i was smart and just that was my next long time yep and that is not a normal life and uh which led me to the opposite of that life, which is thinking longer term and doing angel investing. So I kind of yep. got, finally got lucky and figured that part of the world out. That, yeah, Howard, you know, let's, accel let's accelerate into that at that time frame. I remember, you're one of, I, I'm sure you did deals before that. I know you were in Buddy Media, but let's get into the, and, and Michael Lazaro's uh, great exit. Let's get into that 
how did you get into angel investing and kind of building that, that, that reputation and that brand where people would take your money and some companies that you invested in founders and, and let, let's talk a little bit about that. Cause that also evolved into you being a founder. Uh, I may have my timeline off a little bit, but talk a little bit about that and stock twists. Well, I mean, back before the internet or the internet was coming out, a hedge fund was like a startup, right? You're, yep. you're, you eat what you kill, you, you skim a little bit, you're taking 20% of the profits. That's a, that's a business. Yep. Right? And you get, you can't, you can cheat, I guess, which is hedge funds are known for obviously, but, um, you're trying to beat the index, you know, and what a stupid race that is. That's no different than dogs chasing a bunny around a dog track, right? Like yeah, dumbest yeah. thing, right? Like what a loser life that I was living considering all the freedom I had. But you don't know that. You're just, you think you're smart and that's what the markets trick you into these, these, these things. Um, that's the market's trick, right? They suck you in. Um, yeah. But uh, so I was an entrepreneur, just didn't know what kind of entrepreneur. And um, so the markets crashed in 2001. And, you know, by 99, I was doing internet deals like any other idiot, you know, series Q and series Z, series double B. And uh, I made some really dumb investments. And just one of them turned out to be a great one uh, through the crash. And I got the bug and I was like, you know, became friends with that founder and I was living in Phoenix and uh, started stumbling upon startups. And I had a pretty good eye for picking winners. And, um, you know, the first big one- Howard, expand on that a little bit. What was that, what were you, was it the founder? Was it like, what, what, how, what, how did you evaluate a startup? You didn't, you were, I mean, the first ones were like, hey, these things double in a day, no different than today. Uh, it was just that simple, you know, uh, Mary Meeker or, or uh, Henry Blodgett or the analyst of the day would just say, this is going to double and they doubled. Um, you know, there was no internet. It was just, you had a pulpit and whatever that person spoke, it was like, you know, distribution scam. Uh, but there was a very narrow funnel of information and you just had to position yourself in that funnel. Uh, then the internet happened and all that came undone. And then we built in a more distributed way with the social web. And maybe the next wave will be decentralized. You know, we'll see. Like, it's just that part of the, the bundling and unbundling of things. But uh, I, I got out of being in the rat race of trying to beat the index. And Vanguard kind of killed that index for better or for worse. Yep. I think it was for better at first. Now it's for worse. And we're seeing the unbundling with Robinhood. Um, but so the cycle's everywhere. But uh, I just was fascinated with like my financial industry and how stupid it was and CNBC and Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg. And I was like so mad all the time of like just getting screwed and like being. And so my whole life became about like, if I was in charge, I would build this product. And, you know, so it was really just my own yep. nitpicks of things. You know, I was using Yahoo Finance and crappy software and, and just so my own stumbling and bumbling. Uh, and living my own better life just led me to passionately, in my heart, have domain experience and know what I wanted to fix. Howard, when you tweet, you get about you know 20 retweets and 100 likes just by saying good morning. When I tweet, I get like two. One of them, though, I thought was pretty good, which was, because I like my own stuff, is the best ideas generally come out of sort of ashes and pain or frustration. And it sounds like as far as stock twits and some of the things you were doing, you just, you, you just saw just scratching my own itch. 
scratching yeah. my own itch, high passion, easy to convince other people that I had domain experience, same things we look for in founders, you know, money has become a commodity. So like if you're, yep. if you think I can save your business with a hundred K or a million dollar check, we're all screwed. Meaning everybody's got a purpose in building this thing. And that's where we've evolved to now in this, after this COVID crisis, it's like, okay, why are you an investor? Every piece to a puzzle is important from the cap table to your first investor, to your board. And companies are just being built smarter. Uh, mistakes along the way, yeah. uh, little bubbles along the way. SoftBank was a bubble. Um, 3D printing was a bit of a bubble. There's been all kinds of mini bubbles, right? Like where mm -hmm. money gets misallocated. Uh, and I see the biggest bubble right now is Vanguard, right? And we're seeing Robinhood now unwinding that. You know, the biggest bubble was, oh, I'll put my money in S&P 500 and every American will hold hands and own the same 500 stocks and yeah. all in the sake of saving money. Well, what happens like in March when every fucking person's down 60% on their money and looking at each other and no one's thought through, you know, why should I own the same stocks as everybody else? Yeah. And, and uh, so finance is just the way I think of the world and I'm, you know, I'm stuck. You know, and I so, just keep so tell, her, tell everyone what tell, her, tell everyone what is stock twits. Um, <clears> I think that's around the time I met you when we were both part of the True Ventures founder class. But talk talk to us a little bit. You were definitely the oldest founder there. But talk to us a little bit about the stock twits <laughs> journey. What was stock twits? Stock twits is just another itch. I had sold my last company to CBS Wall Strip, and um, and Wall Strip was like a my first idea YouTube uh, CNBC on YouTube. Uh, but it got bought so fast that, uh, you know, I was working at CBS and I saw Twitter come along and I was like blown away. And back then Twitter was on a Blackberry. And uh, I just remember texting Fred. I was like, people should be talking about stocks on Twitter. And, and uh, Fred was like, that's genius. And I, I sent him an email, you know, dollar sign BBRY, which was Blackberry. And he just sent me back a BlackBerry that said, that's genius. And I kind of got sucked into like starting the company. You know, I gave the idea to Twitter, obviously, but they were just like kumbaya and, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, going to save the world. And I'm like, nah, you should be Bloomberg. And so I kind of sucked myself into starting that company and raised a lot of money or not enough money or whatever you want to call it and started SoftWits. And then and you ran it. Yeah, go ahead, Bill. Yeah, what, yeah, what, happened, what happened with the business? Wearing a hat, not a cape. So it's, it's going okay. <laughs> I haven't got the hair replacements yet. So we're just surviving. Yeah. The, uh, so, the, so you still run the business today? No, God. I never ran it even though I was CEO. I don't know what I was doing. The, uh, the, um, so, you know, I started it. Uh, we've had our ups and downs. Always grown, but just, you know, not a, a major social network, but just a unique social network. <clears throat> and, you know, as I've learned, patients and networks really do, do matter. And we're having our best year ever, you know, 12 years later, growing faster than ever. And can't predict, you know, COVID and no sports and Robin Hood and everything else and Twitter's mistakes and our mistakes and our things we did well. And the original idea is still a good idea. People love hanging out and talking about stocks all day long. Fred had the great tagline for it. It was like, hey, if you like stocks and like talking about them all day long, stock twits is for you. I was like, dude, that's too narrow. But like, no, so simple. that was always the best fucking tagline. And I was always <laughs> hating, like, you know, more than that. Eh, no. Uh, and there's nothing wrong. It, it turns out there's millions of people that like David Burstall, like talking about stocks. 
they just yeah. don't know as much as you and they may be making mistakes, but it's just, they're all just trying to make a buck. And uh, so we're kind of like this goofy, irreverent uh, mentor network and social network, but it's Twitter for stocks with just a lot more features yeah. and a lot of the same problems, but uh, we think about it from uh, everything that Twitter should do, but for stocks. So Howard, just shifting gears into, uh, so how many angel investments have you made over the years, uh, money deployed, some things you're proud of, and then are you still doing that? And then tell our audience a little bit about what you're doing today with your venture fund and, and, and the focus. And what made you decide to do that? Like why, why, why do a venture fund versus just, you know, yeah. Do you did a venture fund just because we just, that's the way the world slowly, you know, we tried every different thing, the beta works model, the, incubation model, the writing our own checks model, the single purpose vehicle model, all the things that like maybe better or worse than a, than a simple two and 20 or two and a half and 20 fund. It's just time in life, aggravation of single purpose vehicles, um, you know, accounting, all the different things that just started trust, started lining up as life to raise money. But, you know, probably over a hundred companies, a lot of them, you know, 25, 10 to 50 K investments. Uh, we still do that type of stuff, but you know, very fun focus first. You know, if it doesn't fit in the fun and we really love the founder, maybe we'll do a personal check. But generally, it's you know, 100% on social leverage. I focus on financial services. Gary uh, focuses on enterprise. He sold his company to Salesforce, also a true company. Um, Tom, my partner forever, he does all the uh, does real estate and uh, runs the firm. And then we just brought on a fourth partner, Ross Hoffman, who was at uh, Ren Headspace. And before that was Twitter uh, under Adam Bain running sales and growth. And before that at YouTube. So it's like four of us, no staff. Uh, this current fund's 45 million, probably raising fund four really soon. Uh, great returns, you know, great returns. At least people say they're great returns. I don't know. Like, again, I don't measure against anything. Our investors are happy. Um, and, you know, we're proud of, you know, sticking, being, you know, I guess founder friendly, but we're, you know, we work for our LPs. So we're proud of returning capital yep. to our, we're proud that we didn't have to steal money uh, or skim, you know, it's a good lifestyle and our investors seem to be getting their capital back and love the companies that we invest in. And so we've built this beautiful, like win, win, win for now uh, scenario where you can have a win, win, win. You know, the founders are happy, we're happy. A lot of failure in our industry, but the founders yeah. are happy, we're happy, and the LPs are happy. You know, why switch it up? Pinch me. Right. Um, and you got and you have your baby stocks with running. But that stock to successful. Yeah. Well so 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 and most so, importantly, my kids like are like not a pain in the ass. They like seem so let, relatively let, happy. Let's talk about them a little bit. I see a lot of picks you, you play golf with them i think i may have met one of your sons in new york it seems mm -hmm. like you're in, also enjoying that uh that time with them as well right uh you have your, well you, you have, have to because there you go through phases where they don't enjoy you so yeah, uh, true. as a 54 year old i try and impart that on people it's like you have your time with them you can screw it up you do screw it up but like then they don't want to spend time with you and you can't change all that cats in the cradle or whatever the hell that song is that's um, a sad that's a sad that's a sad song. Let's well, not talk it, about Steve. No, but you know, but but it mostly is sad because you don't yeah. appreciate the time you have, and then they go do their own thing. And and uh, but yeah, my kids, you know, you try and create a house where they're happy to come when they want, and try not to judge. 
and you try and push them in a direction and you try and make sure that they it's understand that like it's not easy and that they should be nice and they should get their meds right oh wait did i say that uh and what? What? and uh you know where the local dispensary is and should they have a medical marijuana card all the little things that matter in raising children right where where the where the where, where the true parenting uh, comes from howard how do you how do you break up your day like how do you figure out what you're going to prioritize because like that i feel like you know i'm an operator uh i do a lot of angel investing but but I was like, if I did angel investing full time, I think I might be an al I, I'd become an alcoholic um, and maybe maybe even a drug addict. Um, so it's a great, it's the question, right? So that's why the name of our firm. So what fascinated me about what I hated about Wall Street and still do in CNBC is this like expert. There's one guy who talks. And so like Vanguard's now the expert, the great, the guy Bogle had a great idea. We were getting hosed, right? And that's a great idea. It's become the problem, right? Just cause, just cause it's cheap doesn't mean it's good product. Okay. So that's America, you know, with everything, everything's frail. We see on that with April, you know, we're, we, we think we're doing so great, but it's a frail back, it's just very, a lot of frailty, fragility, whatever Taleb calls it, but I call it frailty. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, and no, there was a good, oh, so. The, if it was a good one, it was mine. Yeah, uh, no, it was yeah. Bill. So, so financial, <laughs> well, this country was so fragile around this stupid idea of lever things up, right? Like yep. take my building, sell it 10 times, package it this way, dump it on the next guy. Don't worry about it. And that's called financial leverage. And we, we have the perfect storm. Oh, oh, building, building, building. Everybody was like, push it aside, repackage it. That's financial leverage. That ended in 2008. That was the story. And so I was discovering social media and I had said the idea, you don't think that, you don't think that. And so financial leverage is a tactic, not a strategy. Yeah. That became, yeah. that's what you got to do. Package, bundle, who cares? Leave the mess for the next guy because it works. Yeah. There yep. was no internet, there was no software. And then Twitter comes along and Facebook and I'm like, no, the real leverage, the smart leverage is social leverage. Meaning, just what you said, Bill, the real problem is time. So if you can manage your time, it's infinite. If you can manage yep. your time properly and not stress out, you know, no one can manage their time perfectly, but time is infinite, not infinite, sorry, time is infinite, the cloud and, and, and whatever is infinite. And that's the trick, right? The devil in that is like, now that you have all this time, how are you going to spend it? But if yep. you do social leverage properly, it's fucking infinite possibilities, right? From a podcast here to a network there to a relationship here. It's just, you can go as fast as you want, but time is what you got to manage. And yep. that's what the kids are stressing about is they have infinite time. It's like, you know, when your son calls you and says, dad, I'm running the stuff to watch on Netflix. That's a different problem than, hey, you know, the racists are bothering me at school. Um, so these kids just have different problems. It's not their yep. fault that they have endless time and endless choice and endless curate. You know, they have fucking yep. their problem is cure. How do they spend their time? Yeah. Yeah. And we're telling them to spend their time four years in school. Well, we just yeah. saw the end of that. Schools are stupid. Yeah. Um, Google, Google is Google. Why am I, why, when they can look this shit up and go learn on the job in the first day as Rodney Dangerfield would say, that's what kids should be doing. Yep. You know, so we're screwing the kids up by like, putting them on some weird path that worked maybe 40 years ago 
And so where, um, did, where did your kids go to school? U of A. My son did drop out. He hated school. Yeah. So he just, he sensed it, right? Because this year was a disaster for everybody else. Um, <clears throat> and he's uh, go, actually going to second generation stock twits person. He's going to go start in customer support there. And, and uh, but, but I think that the key thing is about you said, Bill, is like time is your thing. Yeah. And with software and the internet, we've been gifted this time. And maybe, and maybe Andrew Yang is right. Maybe we should be giving people money because if we can help the temper, if we can help just 10% of the people not yeah. feel helpless, that's great. Yeah. Uh, maybe 90% will become the 90% that we're going to be shit anyways, stay shit or uh, become yeah. bums, but at least we could save 10%, you know? So I don't know, like anything's up in the air to me at this point. Yeah, I, I, I do like the idea around social leverage. Um, I, you know, like now you at least know why I call it that. There, there yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Howard, what, what, would you do your? Would you re, would you rethink school and pushing universities and all that on your kids if they were, I don't know, five and seven today going into this post COVID? And I mean, the 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 the. Let's assume that you're a kind of normal person. You're going to have debt. They're going there to kind of party a little bit. Uh, now you have social distancing to think about. Well, a lot of them don't come out and go into their to this promised land. I mean, would you rethink that or maybe encourage them to be go another path or be more tomorrow? Or I really asking not put the pressure like most parents do that they have to get that degree. I think give me the choice now. I'd say it's better the kid owes Best Buy eighty grand than his college because he's going to pay back Best Buy and he's going to he's going to be pissed off at. I'd rather be pissed off at Best Buy for ripping him off than college, because uh, at least we got a flat screen and a fucking you know bong holder or whatever the hell they're going to get at Best Buy these days. But um, that's what drove us. I was in the consumer generation. You owed Best Buy and you had to pay Best Buy. You couldn't get a fucking car. And if you couldn't get a car, you couldn't get a house. And if you couldn't get a house, you couldn't get a wife can't get a wife, can't have kids. So, so the narrative was different then, right? You go to school and it was like your first day of school, it was Amex, Capital One, they were fucking waiting for you like vultures. Yeah. Uh, now everybody's Venmoing each other and like fucking flipping off the Capital Ones of the world. So, and, and instead the scam is school. So uh, I don't think any parent should run up 100K in debt or any kid to go to school. Yeah. Yep. They, they yep. should be building their network in high school and figuring out what they want to do and maybe just since no one checks resumes anyways, uh, even at the presidential level, uh, maybe it's okay to not go to school. Like who checked his resume, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, we saw, yeah. even, if you, even if he lied, we all knew he was a knucklehead. Yeah. So my knucklehead kids are way better than that guy. So they could be anything. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, school's great for some kids. So, 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 so what do you, um, what do you look for when, you know, some, some, some kid, you know, some 24 year old kid has a great fucking idea. They come and pitch you. Like, what do you look for? Like, are, you know, so, so many, so many people, you know, like, you know, and, and actually the bigger you get, the more political you become and you got to put, put a deck, you know, pitch deck. Blah, blah, blah. Like I fucking hate pitch decks. I just want to, I want to know what your idea is, what it, it has to be something around passion um sure. and i get to see the fire in your eye what do you what do you look uh, for well i'm older so it's like i'm not inviting people to pitch me unless we think it's yep. interesting right so we're better at like screening that stuff like yeah and my inbox is just 
this is not a brag at all. It's, it's just a problem of the industry is, you know, how do you curate and how do you filter, right? Yeah. Uh, it's information overload. We all face it. Uh, I'm publicly pushing to, to get deals. So it's like, it's my fault for creating this in the first place. We just, it's a whole new problem, but um, we're trying to just be honest. It's like, okay, you know, you put the vibe out there like dating. It's like, we, if the, if the next Robin Hood's out there, please call me. As, you know, because our big risk is not seeing the next Robin Hood or the next LifeLock or the next yeah. Buddy Media. So we're trying to put out the vibe of what we're looking for by writing and tweeting and doing all the goof. It's like sex, right? You're just kind of mating out there and social yeah. and you're trying to attract the right people. So you're putting the vibe out there and you're trying to find great founders who have, I think domain experience really matters. So I'm going to yeah. back people, guys like me who just like fucking have a problem with the world and yeah. it may be weird and it may just be small, but if they can solve good problems and they know their space and they know what's driving them nuts, that's, that's about all I could do. Yep. And, 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 and we want to, in a world where money is commodity, yep. interest rates are zero and they're printing it and handing it out in the streets by helicopter. Uh, yep. Why would I waste my time on just trying to make money? I, I just want to do stuff that kind of, I feel like I could chip in a little bit and God forbid and, and, I have to run the company, I'll run it. But yeah. Uh, why would I invest in something I have no interest in? So biotech, hardware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I yep. going to do? I had no value. Yep, agreed. And, and so, so we're at, finally at this place where money shouldn't matter for rich people. Therefore, they should focus on things that they're good at and can help things go faster. Yep. And the biotech people should do biotech and the science people should do science. And, and you know, and project the stuff out there and herd people in and everybody should be a little more honest with themselves and get yep. on their path a lot sooner. If people can be put on their path a lot sooner, they'd be a lot happier people. Yeah. Yeah. Amen right. to that. Amen, Amen to that. Baby. And, and now um, at a, hey, with a $45 million dollar fund, are you, uh, yes, you, you can invest. Well, just do you, I'll send you a <laughs> let me, let me, please, let me send you, I'm going to, I'm going to actually, You're in. The oh, by the way, we just had an exit. You just doubled your money. Done, done, done. I, I'm going to fly the helicopter <laughs> myself and drop the money on your house. Um, You're did, good do, you do, do you do a lot of, do you reserve like, so like, you know, you do an angel in Robin Hood and you're like, holy fuck, this could be like a massive company. Do you then participate in future, you know, series A, series B? Now we're big enough. Then we had yeah. a scramble to do the A. We, uh, it was a great story. I just knew, you know. Yep. A lot of times I don't know what I'm doing. That one, they walked into my office and I was like, stock Twitch, Twitter, this needs to be built. Beautiful UI. They just nailed it. Maybe yep. they didn't think they nailed it, but I did. And so we backed up the truck with a hundred K. And uh, literally, yeah, backed it up, called mom and said, mom, listen, put down your liquor, put on the fur coat. Daddy's got one for you. The, um, Anyway, so we put in 100K, um, I think it was an 8 million bow. And then the funny story there is that uh, our fund was like $6 million. So it was like 200K, you know, and then you follow on with 100K. So we had room for follow-ons. And then for the A round, you know, Baijiu and Blood were really sophisticated um, young guys, and they were always good at optimizing for cap table. And I was, they knew I was horny for, for Robin Hood. I just knew that was the one. And I had seen enough winners to know back the truck up when you really believe and I remember calling Fred Wilson I'm like Fred what do I do the valuation is going to be stupid but I got to go lead this deal and I don't have the money because just write the term sheet idiot and uh, <laughs> so I like 
So we wrote up a term sheet, you know, 10 or 11 million, 11 million on a 60 million. We just made it up and uh, <clears throat> index beat us. You know, they shopped it probably and index beat us and uh, who the hell social leverage, who's Clarence Peaks. And, uh, but by, by being aggressive, we bought our way into that round at some level, we scrambled. We didn't have 11 million. They knew that we knew that we would have raised it somehow, yep. <clears throat> but um, index, could write a check much faster than us and that wouldn't bounce necessarily and um, they got the deal he's in the yawn is now a midas investor and i'm doing podcasts <laughs> is that something everyone has a you're much happier you're much happier though hey oh, please hey, i'd rather howard, be we're, we're, we're rather be on yourself he's got planes howard, and I got automobiles one. i got fucking <laughs> some dude in the back with a knapsack on and a good hat. Howard, what, one more question from me before we kind of get this wrapped is with, with, how, with your ability to, to manage time and the name of your firm clearly uh, sort of expresses your, your, your understanding of social leverage and time, time management, what are the things that you're not doing today that you want to do? What are the projects that we should expect to hear from Howard in the future? What are you drumming up since you've mastered the clock so well? I would say it depends who you ask if I master the clock. I think I've mastered uh, the ability to do what I want to do. <clears throat> so some people would call that selfish and, and productive. Um, well, everybody would, uh, but fuck them. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, but Bill likes me and that's all that matters. Yeah. Cause I doubled his money in three seconds. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, what was the question? <laughs> no, the, uh, uh what, what What's next, man? What are the projects you got? What's brewing? next is this. I'm so super fucking bullish on like conversations and fucking yep. speeding people's learning curve up, whether you call it Khan Academy or whatever you call this hairbrain idea, you're a super forecaster, nose picker. We're the super, for, super, super forecaster. Super forecaster. I can't say. Yeah. Nose pickers. Um, super califragilistic. Yeah. So whatever we call this, I think good conversation with smart people, smiles, uh, helping other people speed up, paying it forward, uh, projecting the vibe to meet other smart people, uh, getting shit done, uh, you know, keep the ego as checked as possible in a world where everybody's like telling you you're great. Um, and uh, I like content, right? Like, I don't think it's a good business, um, but, you know, Barstool Day is kind of inspiring. Um, you know, it wasn't two years ago. It was like Huffington Post and fucking BuzzFeed. They talk about algorithmic crap. Yeah. Now, now, now everybody's complaining about BuzzFeed and the guy's just fucking funny. So, yeah. uh, more and by the way, he, he, he's now, he's just recording himself buying stocks. You know, it's what trading. I predicted, except I'm you know, not an investor in Barstool. So, yeah. so, so I'm quite inspired by people that's that back into things. Right. Like yeah. I always knew CNBC would be disrupted. I didn't know it'd be a guy who's cause sports was shut down. Right. But I yeah, knew it was yeah, coming. Right. I just got the yeah. timing wrong. Uh, and now that that's out of the bag, oh, baby, I'm so bullish. So, I mean, like, it's torn because, you know, I have hair coming out of my ears and my toes hurt. And uh, as you know, I have a big nose. And then I got to, like, I'm inspired to do some other things. And uh, the, the choice is my time, right? Like, I've never been more inspired. And everybody's rooting me on. And I'm like, well, I'm not, my heart's not in it. And, but yet kind of want to do it. And there's no half-ass. So I'm trying to inspire other people to pick up the torch and like do shit that I can back 
that's motive, you know, that's more barstool, more disruption of Vanguard, speeding up the disruption, giving people choices, educating them about investing, the power of investing in social leverage and the power of networking and the power of being nice and, and the power of, you know, being optimistic and choosing, making good choices, you know, because I make good choices and bad choices. I you know, probably could have saved 20 years if I made better choices. Because uh, all I say now is I wish I was 40. So if I can save people 14 years, fuck, I think if I save two people, they're going to love me. Yeah. Yep. That's true. So, and you know Bill already loves you. Um, yeah, Bill, well, Bill's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Howard, we, uh, we've covered a lot, a lot of fun ground today, man. And it's been... Uh, if you tell me the sound uh, didn't work, this is fucked. Yeah. Well, we yeah. have to. We're we're definitely going to have to re-record. Re, re but this 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 first cut was really good. Listen, out <laughs> of all the shows we've done, you're easily kind of in the mid, kind of at least the mid tier, and we really Listen, appreciate being. That's a win. <laughs> that's Listen, a win if you've done uh, seven thousand shows. If you've done two, you know what does that mean? Yeah. It, yeah. In in the venture world, you know, fifty percent success rate means like right. you're Midas. You know, yeah. yeah. So, the fact so that you guys had to ask me things that you really run out of ideas this early in your series. This is one of the best average shows we've done. I'm going to kick <laughs> it to Bill uh, to, to, to round up our, our summary of, of Howard's superpowers. And uh, take it away, Bill. Let's do this. Well, you know, it, it's funny. I made this reference earlier that I felt like I was stuck in the middle of like a Seinfeld episode. Uh, we might have spoken for three hours. I don't know. Uh, we, we talked a, a, a lot about a lot of things and a lot about nothing. And, um, and, uh, no, made and, my day. And, you totally and, made my day. Exactly. So you listen, I think you complete, you, you had me at hello. But yeah. Um, you had me at hello. I have no pants on right now, Bill. I'm yours. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't hey, listen, have pants on at the beginning of the episode. Listen, listen, I, I doubled my money in the middle of this podcast. So for me, I just want to keep this fucking thing going. I'm thinking I think triple, quadruple, you know. Basically, I got a hat on and some stance socks. That's all that's between you <laughs> and me. That's all you need. <laughs> that's the only thing. And a, and a the only thing standing between thing. you and me and some gabardine pants. That's it. That's it. But, but listen, I, I think, you know, uh, an awkward kid, Jewish kid from Toronto, you know, he avoided... He avoided going down the Jeffrey Dahmer route. Um, certainly, I think, you know, I, I do believe life is not a sprint. It's not a marathon. I also think life is kind of like a relay race. And you need to know at what point to pass the baton on, you know, and that's running companies. It's in life. And, I, you know, it, you said the word empathy earlier today. Uh, and, like, I think just, like, today – Having social awareness and social intel intelligence is fucking everything. And, you know, like also having humility, understand who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, your big nose, your cute ass. And, um, and, I, and I think more than any other guest we've ever had on, I think your, your superpower is you have that understanding of who you are and, and social intelligence uh, is hey. your superpower. Hey, Bill, Howard, you're not allowed to talk yet. Uh, so, Bill, this is the first time, literally word for word, we've, uh, we, we're, we're like on, on point. Maybe we need to do more shows. So, 
Howard, give me one second. Howard, that, that's only because that what, what Chris is saying there is he couldn't think of something more intelligent than what I well, said. No. So he's, he's just a great. I have it right here. Look, I always take a little It note goes here. to his point. Everybody says he's a bad listener. <laughs> so here, here, I'm going to start with my, I'm going to start with my, with my fun uh, superpowers. One, your superpower as I, in one hour, the amount of times we've asked you questions and you didn't ask them, answer them was incredible. You've never, I've yeah. never met anyone in my life. I ran at the Adderall war off not, like 20 minutes. You did in. not answer one, maybe one question out of 30. Number That's two, Ritalin. That's all on Ritalin. Number two. Your ability to keep a straight face through almost everything, 99% of the show. Number three, you're just, your superpowers, you've been lucky. Um, okay, now shifting into the, to the, to the summary part where Bill, Bill did a very great job. People like you, you're likable, you don't take yourself seriously, EQ, IQ all day. But to Bill's point, especially today, I think your superpower is basic to the core. You're nice and you're kind. And mm -hmm. I think those uh, are are literally. I thought you were a dick. Yeah, I want my kids to know. So there we go. But I do think that your inability to not answer questions is the real one. But um, hey, <laughs> that Howard. Is, that is why I just got served by uh, the attorneys of Schmendrick and Schmendrick. Howard, <laughs> this was a lot. This was a lot of fun. Listen, listen. I appreciate Howard taking time out of his busy day. He's leading up the California effort to get Trump reelected. And it was just so good of him to take a few hours out of his day to, to not Whatever be I can out do. there. Love you orange. Know. Love the color orange. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've always been a grapefruit guy, which is probably why. I mean, who the fuck would drink an orange when there's grapefruits out there? You know, so this is my whole thing with orange. Now, this I has like been yellow. I like yellow. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I think you, you were onto something, uh, you know, on eliminating, like w in this day and age where everything is about user choice, why can't you just get all of the fucking pink and, and, and red Starburst? Maddening. Maddening. You know? Makes no sense. That was the best idea you had. I could have stopped the podcast right By there. By the way, I peaked at 12 when I had the idea. Wow. <laughs> everything I've done since then has been a fucking... <laughs> Offshoot of like my perfect idea. Who doesn't want red sweet tarts? Like, let's do it. <laughs> I, I look at the package. I've emailed the people. It's a PO box. No one fucking. They have no Twitter account. It's fucking bullshit. You know. Well, well listen. audience. Once our audience gets to this, it, consider it done. Yeah, it's yep. the Twitter of candy. Sweet tarts is the Twitter of candy. It's incomplete. We're gonna solve. We're gonna solve this for you, my friend. Um, Bill, thanks for the time as well. Howard, great to have you. And uh, good luck with the campaigning out there, brother. And put your pants on soon. See you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Superpowers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.